0: Hi everyone. Peter Brouwer here, and you are listening to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. On today's episode, you're going to be hearing a Bible teaching, a Bible study that I led at my church, uh, the third, in a four-part series on the parables, the stories of Jesus. So we've already taken a look at a few parables and talked about what the parables are and how to read them, so I encourage you to go back the previous two episodes if you need to get caught up. Uh, but today we're going to be reading a few parables about the end or I, I should rather say maybe uh, the the beginning of something new. Now, these are parables that do happen at the end of Jesus' ministry, Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 31. They're the parable, uh, parables of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents. Uh, we're going to read these parables today. And as we close, we will not be filled with fear or timidity, but rather joy and confidence and faith. I think that's why Jesus tells us these stories, so that we would be ready in faith and full of confident joy. we'll hope you're blessed by our time together today. And if you'd like to follow along, open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to part three of the parables of Jesus. If you haven't watched our first two lessons, really encourage you to start there uh, because those lessons took a look at, uh, first and foremost, what the parables are and, and how we read them. And then we've read through a couple together as we have learned those and practice those skills. And so if you, if you haven't gone back and watched those, please start there, lesson one and two. But uh, today in this lesson, I'm really excited to dive into God's word with you. We're going to read some, some parables, some uh, maybe even seemingly troubling parables, some some really tough ones to to wrap our minds around uh, that end with some foreboding warnings. Uh, but what I, I hope we see through the end of it is that Jesus does not tell us these stories to, to scare us or, or to leave us shaking in our boots, but actually uh, to to prepare us, to warn us um, so that we would be watchful and so that we would be ready. For his his impending arrival and and so really I, I think what we're meant to be left with is not a sense of fear or worry or, or doubt uh, but a sense of confident trust that yes we are ready we're ready for Jesus to come back and what a great day that will be. Uh, so I'm really excited to to share some of these parables with you. We're going to read two for today uh, from Matthew chapter 25. Uh, these two parables. It's the parable of the ten virgins and then the parable of the talents. They're followed by a, uh, another teaching of Jesus, a very familiar teaching to some, where he, he separates the separates the sheep and the goats. And while that's not quite a parable per se, we are going to talk about it because I think it, it it really helps explain and and flesh out, give some practical implications. To, to the two stories that we're gonna to read today. So we're gonna end up reading the whole chapter by the time we're, we're done with our lesson today. Uh, before we really jump in, uh, these parables did get me thinking about some, some important things. Uh, first of all, it made me think of, about whether I was a preparer uh, or a procrastinator. And I don't know where you fall in that, if, if you feel like you are someone who always procrastinates to the last second pushes things off, pushes things off, or you're someone who likes to be prepared and ready uh, for whatever might come next. I don't know where you fall on that if you've thought much about it. I, for one, I guess I've known for a while that I am a preparer. (laughs) Uh, I like to both know the future. I want to know what's coming tomorrow, even later today, 10 years from now. I want to know it all, and I, I want to be ready for it right? I don't want to just want to know it, but I want to prepare myself for it. So a good example for this for me was uh, was in school during finals week, right? In college, and in, in grad school too, finals week. It very often caused a lot of stress and struggle for people, right? Now for me though, as a preparer, finals week was, and I don't say this to brag or boast, finals week was actually pretty great because what it meant was that most of the time I had done all the preparation. I had done the work, I had written papers, I had worked ahead, and so finals week was was actually somewhat of a breach. Now the Ten weeks before that were a real struggle for me because I was trying to stay on top of things and I was trying to work ahead. Um, but I am I am definitely a preparer and I, I think that there uh, there are benefits and pitfalls to both. Right there there are benefits to uh, being a preparer. You're ready for what comes next. You you know what's coming and you're prepared for it. Uh, there's some pitfalls too. Right uh, for me it it meant that I was often not open and am not open to spontaneous things, right? Like when I have a plan for today, uh, and then my wife comes up in the morning and says, why don't we do whatever, go to the beach, uh, have a picnic in a park, even if it's something really great, sometimes I have a, a trouble kind of adjusting to that because I've prepared for some things to happen. And, and now that's kind of thrown me through a loop. So there are, um, there are benefits to it. There are also pitfalls. The same would be true of a procrastinator. The benefit to being a procrastinator might be you are more open to those spontaneous things because you're not so worried about working hard and preparing for the next thing. You're just kind of living in in the moment a little bit more. But I, I think that the pitfalls are, are obvious too, right? That uh, maybe that final week uh, before the, the tests come is really stressful. And, and maybe you do create a lot of late nights for yourself, and maybe some more stress and worry when the deadline comes than, than is necessary. So, again, maybe be thinking about that. Are you prepared? Or are you a procrastinator? Jesus today is trying to get us prepared. He wants us to be awake and watchful and ready for something really important. That's coming, And as we'll be clear, that's that's his second coming, his his arrival in, in glory. Uh, and, and speaking of that, uh, this reading really made me think about how often I consider and think about Christ's return. And, and to be honest, it made me realize that I probably don't think about it as much as I should. I mean, I know it's there. I know it's coming. I know Jesus will return one day. That's going to be a great day. But it's not really something that's on the top of mind for me. It just made me kind of reflect on that. And and maybe you can reflect on that too. Is that something you think about? And and if you think about it, what do you think about it? I mean, are you filled with worry, stress? It's kind of scare you to think about Jesus coming and the world as we know it ending. I think for many people, it is a, a, um, a something that they worry about, or or it is something that causes fear because it's unknown, and and maybe just the way it's portrayed in movies and books. Like, you ever read the Left Behind series? it's very cataclysmic, very scary. So I don't know what you, if you think about Christ's return, what you think about it. Jesus wants us to think about it, maybe more than most of us do. But he doesn't want us to approach it with fear or trembling or worry. Instead, he tells these parables today so that we would look ahead with with joy and with hope and with confident faith that we would be able to say, yes, Jesus is coming. And by faith, I am ready for it. And so with all that in mind, uh, let's... Let's begin to dig in into our readings for today. Again, we're gonna read from Matthew chapter 25. What I'd like to do is maybe just break it down into section by section. I'll read one parable and then the next, and then I'll read the concluding teaching by Jesus because I think that really kind of wraps, wraps it up nice. I wanna remind you as we read that we've been trying to keep a few things in mind. As we read, there are four kind of good listening skills when it comes to parables. The the first is that we want to look at the context and and ask good questions. Questions like, who is Jesus talking to? When is this taking place in his ministry? Beginning or the end? Where is it taking place? Because sometimes the location can tell us something. We might want to ask ourselves, why is Jesus saying this? Is there some event that has happened? Some question that's being posed to Jesus? What's the motive for this story? Most of them are just kind of told out of thin air. So we want to ask good questions and take a look at the context. Uh, The next thing we want to do is is to try to read the parables with a fresh pair of eyes. For some of us who have grown up in the church and have heard these stories many times, that's hard. We've been kind of jaded to them. But as we've been saying, each of the parables is is meant to to draw on something familiar, uh, some image that is kind of common to all humanity. And then uh, they also very often add in a twist or a surprise. And it's that twist or that surprise that uh, helps bring about the intended reaction, and that's true today. And so there's something about these parables that is is meant to get a reaction from us. And and so let's try to read these stories with a fresh pair of eyes as if we're hearing them for the first time and and think about what, what reaction is Jesus trying to create in us. Uh, The the next thing we want to do is to focus on the main characters. In every parable, there are lots of little different aspects, uh, objects, that we could focus on and try to decipher what do they mean, what's the significance like today, what what do the lamps stand in for, what does the oil signify, or, or the talent, right? And we could get kind of lost in the weeds there. So we want to focus on the main characters, because it's usually the main characters which help convey the main point. And then the last thing we want to do is, of course, to look for Jesus. Jesus tells us that all of the scriptures reveal him. Uh, scripture is revelation. It, it's pulling back the curtain on Jesus, on our king, and what he's like, what his heart is like, and, and what he's doing in our world. And, and then what it looks like for us to live as his kingdom children. So we want to look for Jesus and see what we learn about him and, and what life looks like with him. So those are the four things we'll we'll be thinking about as we read these stories. So why don't I just go ahead and read the first story for us today the parable of the 10 virgins starting at Matthew 25 verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. 5 of them were foolish and 5 were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. All right, uh, parable of the ten virgins. Let's let's, uh, start by asking those good questions and taking a look at the context. So, when is this taking place? Uh, this is taking place at the very end of Jesus' ministry. Uh, later on, we'll find out that his, his cross, his sacrifice is just a couple days away. And so, Jesus is telling these parables with all that kind of looming in the background. right? And, and actually, this is taking place on the Mount of Olives overlooking the temple. Uh, the disciples are, had kind of marveled at the temple because it was this magnificent sight, and Jesus kind of steps them back. They they go up to the mountain, and he starts to tell them that that the temple is going to be destroyed. He Goes on to tell them uh, really hard days are coming. Jerusalem will actually be destroyed as as well. And he and he's telling them this again, not to scare them, but to prepare them because he knows it's coming, and he wants them to be ready for it. But, and then he continues to teach. He says, "Okay, just be watchful for this. Be watchful." Also for my return. Because he's also told he's already told his disciples that, that he's going to Jerusalem in order order to suffer and to die and to rise. And that eventually he'll have to leave that, leave them to, to go be with his father. And he knows how hard that will be, right? And and yet he also tells them that one day he's going to return. And and so he's speaking to them about this in-between time, between his ascension into heaven where he won't be walking the streets with them and eating dinner with them anymore, and then his glorious resurrecting return, right? And and so he's telling these parables about how to live in that in-between time. What do you do when Jesus isn't here with you like you would like him to be? That's the context he's speaking into. And he's already talked about how, yes, he is going to return, but no one knows when that day will be. In fact, people will be working out in the fields and they'll be taken up just like that, that Jesus will come suddenly, almost when you least expect him. Uh, So that's the context that Jesus is speaking to, that troubling days are coming, but that he will return one day to make things right, but we don't know when that day will be. So here's how you live. Until that day comes, whenever it is, and on some days he's already said it'll just come suddenly, like a thief in the night. But other days we'll we'll be left uh, wondering, Jesus, what's taking you so long? And that's what the parable I think touches on today. Uh, uh, more about that later. So for now, that's that's the context. Uh, that's where, when, and who uh, Jesus is speaking to. I guess I should say to his disciples. These aren't to outsiders. These are he's speaking to people who know him have heard him speak, seen his miracles, and have come to believe in him. And I think that's going to be awfully important, too. Uh, the next thing that we want to look for in our, our parables is to try to read it with fresh eyes. We said each of the stories uh, often has something familiar to us. And this is a situation Jesus tells today that I think we can all relate to. We've all been to a wedding uh, maybe you've even been to a wedding where uh, either the bride or the groom is taking a little long to get there, like uh, they're too busy doing their hair or tying their tie, and everyone's looking at their watches, kind of waiting for them to come. And uh, maybe you haven't been in that scenario, but you can imagine what it's like, right? And, and, and that's the familiar nature to this parable. We all know what it's like to wait for something. And we've all been in a situation where uh, maybe some of us were prepared and others weren't. So uh, think maybe to something like a hike you were on. And maybe, let's just say for, for this, that you were the prepared one. You had plenty of water, maybe you, even like one of those camelback backpacks. You, uh, you had uh, plenty of snacks for the, the road. You, you, you had really stocked up. Uh, maybe you even had extra socks because you didn't know if you'd be walking through water. Whatever it is, right? And, and you were ready. And then there was someone on the trip, the hike with you, who is woefully unprepared, right? They just had this tiny little bottle of water and a granola bar and you're thinking, you're gonna be out all day, right? And and maybe you saw something play out like this story, right? Where they come to you three, four o'clock in the afternoon and you could just tell they're beat and worn out and, and exhausted and they come to you looking for water and you're like, sorry, I mean, I have enough, but it's just enough. I, I can't go sharing it all, otherwise we'll all be in a, a bad situation. And and so that's familiar, right? Uh, Maybe you've been in something like that. You were prepared, someone else wasn't, or vice versa. Now, the the surprise in it, I I think, is is how the parable ends. Uh, It's a a shocking ending, and and purposefully so, I I think. It's meant to shake us awake, right? The the story ends with these foolish virgins who are totally unprepared and and seemingly careless. It, It ends with them being kept out of the wedding right? These were, these were like the bridesmaids. Can you imagine half of the bridesmaids saying, sorry, uh, you're out. You, you weren't ready. You weren't prepared. You, you had given up. Um, that's what's going on here. It's meant to shock us, uh, shake us awake, right? Because Jesus is, is telling this parable, right? Because he wants us to be prepared. And he does not want us, like those foolish virgins, to take his grace and compassion for granted, or to rely on the grace and kindness of, of others, he wants us each to be ready and awake, watchful and prepared. That's why Jesus is is telling us this story, and and so the the ending, as harsh as, as it is, is is told for a purpose, right? It, it's told out of love. It's it's a tough love kind of story, where Jesus is saying, don't rely on, on the kindness of the grace of anyone else. Just be be ready. I'm coming back, and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to live so carelessly that it comes, and you're left unprepared. And so that's the the surprise. And the intended reaction is that we would be kind of shaken awake and and maybe think to ourselves, oh my goodness, I I have been living carelessly. I have been kind of sleepwalking through life. I I haven't prepared myself for for this amazing day of Christ's return. And uh, so it's meant to awaken us, in a sense. All right, the the next thing that we said we would do is to focus on the main characters of the story. And so in in this story, we have three main characters or three groups of characters, I guess you could say. We have the foolish virgins, and they're kind of an example of what not to do, aren't they? So don't be like them. They're foolish. They're unprepared. They're careless. Uh, And then you have the wise virgins, and they're the ones who are ready, who are watchful and have prepared. They've taken enough oil to last through the night. And then you have the bridegroom, and I, I think uh, that is, is, of course, meant to stand for Jesus. So that the point is that one day Jesus will return, and we have two options. We can live foolishly, we can not prepare, we can not be watchful, we can take grace for granted, or we can live wise lives, and we can prepare, and we can watch, and we can wait, uh, as he calls us to and, and so it's, it's kind of like there's a fork in a road, and Jesus tells us the story so that we would go down the right path. Um, this is a, a, a main feature of the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, the Hebrew scriptures have a way of doing this, where they prevent two ways, uh, two paths for us, the way of folly or foolishness and the way of wisdom. Uh, you see this a lot of places in the scripture. A perfect, most clear example is the book of Proverbs. In the the book of Proverbs, um, you you see this over and over again. Uh, uh, A foolish way is described and then a wise way is described. And you're supposed to look at the two and think, yeah, I want to do the wise thing. So a a good example of that comes from Proverbs 10, verse 5. Very practically says this. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, uh, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So you have these two ways. The wise way, you harvest the food in the summer when the fruit is ripe and you'll have this bountiful crop and you'll have food to last you through the winter. Uh, or you could go the other way, right? You could, you could choose the way of, of the foolish son who sleeps through the harvest, who's, who's lazy and doesn't seem to care. And he misses the harvest in the summer and when he goes to harvest seemingly later, everything's rotten and, and now it's going to be a long, cold winter. And so just two ways are described. Uh, Not really too much comment about them, but we we know what God is trying to do, right? Push us down the right path. And and that's, again, uh, how this parable works. In the Proverbs, um, this foolishness and wisdom is actually personified. You get these two characters in Proverbs, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And they're both calling out to us, but we are to uh, listen to the call of Lady Wisdom. And I think that call is there for us today. Don't be like these foolish virgins. Uh, who uh, are careless and take God's grace and love for granted. But Jesus is coming, so live wisely. Prepare your hearts and your minds. Be watchful in waiting for Christ's return. so the, the main characters, again, really focus us in. We, we could worry about what the lamb signify or the oil, and many have speculated, but I, I don't think, I think that misses the point. And so by focusing on the main characters, we, we get the main points across. And then finally, the, the question is, where is Jesus, right? What does this tell us about Jesus, our king, and living life in his kingdom? I, I think it tells us that our king Jesus is coming back, right? And he's throwing a party. There's going to be a wedding banquet, and it's going to be great and glorious, but we, as, as children of the king, uh, we are called to be ready, like those wise virgins, and we are to watch for it and wait, prepare. Now, it's interesting that both the wise virgins and the foolish virgins fall asleep. Uh, so this isn't uh, a story about saying, don't fall asleep, right, because they all do. Uh, but we're just to be ready and, and to be prepared for Christ's arrival. Now, I think some of the, the stories that continue will help flesh out for us what that means to be watchful and prepared. So, we'll leave that for now. Uh, but but for now, what we learn about Jesus is that he's coming, he's throwing a party, uh, an eternal banquet, eternal feast. And uh, in the meantime, until that day, we're, we're to be watchful and ready for his, his return. All right, that's the parable of Of the ten virgins. I I suppose that's all I'll say for now. Uh, The next story is the parable of the talents. So let me go ahead and read that for you. And uh, again, this is Matthew 25, picking up at verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gathered where I scattered no seed? All right, uh, heavy stuff again, Um, but let's go through our list. First, we're going to start with those good questions, context. Don't need to repeat a lot of that because it's the same as the other parable, except to say that this parable is very clearly linked to the other one, right? The opening words are, for it will be like... So this parable, in a a sense, is explaining those those days, those in-between days. On the one hand, it's like uh, ten virgins waiting for the groom to show up at a wedding. You don't know when it'll be. It feels like it's taken forever. So just be prepared. And then Jesus goes on, okay, those days again, this is what it'll be like. And, and this time, um, we get a little different focus, don't we? It's, it's not just on watchfulness and preparation, but it's about continuing to live an obedient, sacrificial life and service to God, even when you don't know when he's coming. So, so don't just kick up your feet and relax and, and think, well, Christ is coming, so I'm just going to sit around on the couch all day. What's the point of doing work? I uh, know Jesus tells this parable to encourage us to, to continue to be good stewards, to make the most out of what we have, and as we will see, to sacrifice and serve for those in need. Uh, so this is the context. Following the heels of all that, he continues to talk about the in-between time between Christ's ascension and his glorious uh, return. Uh, The second thing we said we want to focus on, uh, uh, and and this applies, I think, much the same way as the first uh, parable, and and that is um, reading it with a fresh pair of eyes. And I think this is another situation in which there's a lot of familiar things. Uh, We've all probably been in a situation where uh, we were the employee and our boss, maybe left for a time, and even if it was just working retail, like maybe they handed over the keys and said, you're in charge of the shop. For a few days. Um, Here's what you need to to keep things going. Um, I'm coming back uh, and uh, I want to see things in good order, right? We we can imagine a situation like that. And so that's what's familiar. Uh, Again, I I think the ending is pretty stark, pretty shocking. It's meant to shake us and awaken us. the, The fact that this last servant, although he didn't waste what he was given, he didn't increase it. And so he's thrown into the outer darkness um, a story of God's judgment, to be sure, his righteousness, his justice. Um, again, meant to shake us and awaken us from our complacency. If we're thinking to ourselves, um, I, I know God is, is coming again, and I, I know he's a righteous, just God. I don't want to mess this up. And, and so if we live in fear and timidity, this story is meant to awaken us and, uh, and cause us, again, to be watchful and ready, and serving in the meantime. God wants us to continue to serve and sacrifice. Uh, The third thing then we said we we talked about is to focus on the main characters. Uh, This, again, follows in the pattern of the parable that precedes it. We kind of get three main characters. We get uh, the the two servants who double their investment. They uh, return 10 talents and, and four talents to the master. They were given five and given two, but they make the most out of it. Again, we're, we're shown that's the wise way, choose that path, do like they did. They're the positive example. Then we're get a, given the negative example and the servant who's only given one talent and just kind of sticks it away. And then we have the master, of course, right? And again, that's Jesus. And just like in the parable, he was here, but he left. He's coming back, we don't know when. And so we are encouraged in the meantime uh, to live lives of of service, lives in service of our master. Now, I, I don't think we should read too much into the fact that the servant uh, calls the master a, a hard uh, master, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, right? Um, even the master replies, you knew that about me, and, and uh, you still didn't invest your money. I, I don't think we should read too much into that. I think Jesus is kind of saying, look, if, if this is how it works on an earthly level, how much more so should you serve me, a good, perfect, pure master, right? Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave that there for now. Those are the main characters. We have a good example, a bad example, and then we see a picture of Jesus. And again, we're told that he is coming back. He's not here now like we would like him to be, but he is returning. It'll be a glorious day, but don't squander and take for granted uh, what you've been given. All right. So, what else do we learn about Jesus? That's the fourth thing. What do we learn about our King and how to live life in His His kingdom? Well, um, again, we are to be ready, and we're not to take His grace for granted. We're not to just sit back and say Jesus has got handle it handled. He's the one who's working. He's returning. What's the point of this life? Jesus is saying, no, get to work. What you do now matters. The people you help now matters, right? Work done in my name has real tangible consequences, and I want to work through you. I I think that's something we learn about Jesus, right, is that he equips us, he deputizes us, and he sends us out. And and that means our lives have significance and and purpose, that that we're not just put here on this earth to kind of twiddle our, our thumbs and waste time until he returns. But but that everything we do has significance and, and that God has given us each gifts and his grace. He's given to each one of us um, what we're able to handle and, and he wants us to use those things. And what an honor that is, right? That, that God would, would want to work through us and that he has blessed us with real tangible things, time, talents, money, uh, energy. He's put people in our lives and resources at our fingertips. And, and we are meant to use that for the good of his kingdom um, so there you go. Uh, that's that's the two parables. But I said we would kind of wrap up by reading the last teaching of Jesus, uh, the sheep and the goats, because I think it does put all of this into very practical terms. Because one of the questions I have when I read this is, is what does it look like to watch and prepare for Jesus to return, right? Like, am I just always looking up in the sky? Like, what does it mean to be like those ten wise virgins who had enough oil uh, I know I'm not supposed to carry around oil in my pocket, but that would be totally missing the point. So so how do I prepare? And uh, what does it mean to be a good steward, like the, the men, the servants, and the parable of the two talents, right? Well, how do I apply that to my life? Well, uh, I think the next teaching of Jesus really kind of fleshes it out for us and gives us some practical implications. So let me just go read uh, verse 31 through the end of the chapter, verse 46, because I I think it'll help us there. So this isn't a parable per se, um, although Jesus does use some similes and and images in his teaching. Um, So let's just listen. Uh, Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Well, here, again, is where I think Jesus just puts a a final punctuation on it and uh, gives some practical implications. Uh, Again, the story... Uh, uh, follows in in the pattern of the others, it's talking about Christ's return, and we get a positive example, the righteous ones who fed and clothed and visited the the sick during their lives, and hungry, and the poor, and the imprisoned, and then you get the negative example, right, the the, the ones who did none of these, Uh, and then of course there's the Lord at the center of it all and And so, why I bring this up is because I really think it helps flesh things out as i said so So, what does it look like to to prepare for Jesus to return? What does it mean to be a good steward? well, it, it means using the gifts that we 've been given the time, the t- energy, the energy, the talents, the money, the material blessings, and taking those things and and using them to bless other people, the sick, the poor, the imprisoned, the hungry the the thirsty right that 's how we make the most out of what we've been given. That's what a life of watchful preparation looks like. So very practically, I, I think it actually means three things. And I say this because it's three things that I see in the life of Jesus. That The first way to live a, a life of watchful uh, obedience and preparation, as we're called to within these two stories, is to pray. Uh, that's something that Jesus did over and over and over again, right? He turned to his father and called out for help. And, and until Jesus returns, we we are called to do the same. Uh, Jesus commands us to, to pray in His name, and and so as we watch and a, as we prepare our hearts and as we seek to be good stewards, we pray. And, and the second thing, of course, that we do is we trust. We cling to to our Savior Jesus and all that He has done. We live lives of faith, and and didn't Jesus do that? He trusted in His Father just as we trust in our Father and in His Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, we trust, and and then of course as As the last teaching reminds us, we live lives of sacrificial servanthood, where we take what we've been given, and we give it away. Uh, We sacrifice for the good of others. And in doing that, we not only help our neighbors, but we also serve God. And uh, that's something we see in Jesus too, isn't it? That he, he took his own life, and he laid it down on the cross for the sins of the world. And so really, uh, how are we supposed to live in this in-between time? Well, we do what Jesus did. We pray, we trust, and we serve sacrificially. And, uh, and this leads us then to, to hear these stories and, and not to be afraid or, or to tremble, right? But, but to, to live in this in-between time with confident faith and joyful trust, Because again, Jesus doesn't tell us these stories, as shocking as as the endings might be, uh, so that we would be trembling in our boots, afraid that Jesus is coming again. No, he tells these stories out of love, because he does not want us to be like those foolish virgins who are shut out of the wedding party. And he does not want us to be like, like that one servant who just buries his his treasure. No, he wants us to choose the other way. So he tells these stories because he loves us and because he came to this world out of love for all people and because he desires all people to be saved. He wants everyone to trust in him. And and so, as his children, we do. And, And as we do, as we trust in Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of his coming. In fact, the day of our Savior's return is a day of joy. It is a day that we look forward to with confident hope. Yes, these stories are meant to awaken us up from our slumber and from our carelessness. Uh, But they're also meant to show us our Savior Jesus, the one who's coming back to draw us into his eternal feast, the one that will have no end. I want to share with you a a quote from uh, the theologian and author and and pastor and bishop uh, N.T. Wright, because I I think he put it really well. And, And on how we are to read these stories, because these stories tell us something about Jesus, but they don't tell us everything. And uh, N.T. And Wright reminds us of that. So let me just read for you uh, these words that he shared. Uh, and this is in particular about the parable of the talents. N.T. Wright writes, but we must also and always insist that this parable and others like it Do not give a complete picture of the creator God, the maker and lover of the world, the God who sent Jesus as the personal expression of his love. Remember where this parable occurs. It comes near the end of a story which is about to reach its great climax. And that climax comes when the Son of Man gives his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus speaks of someone being thrown into the outer darkness where people weep and grind their teeth, we must never forget that he was himself on the way into the darkness, where even he would sense himself abandoned by God. Uh, N.T. Wright, I think, reminds us that we have to deal with and struggle with these readings as harsh and as shocking as the endings are, that that we do have a God of, of justice who punishes evil. And we can't we can't avoid that or, or whitewash it or, or wish it away. Uh, these stories tell us something in that way important about God. But but they also don't tell us the whole picture, right? Uh, we can't ever just read a few verses of scripture and think they, they tell us everything we need to know about God. We have to remember the, the bigger story. And when we remember the bigger story, we remember that we do have a God of love, a God who entered into the darkness, a God who laid down his life so, so that we would never have to die or so that though we die, yet we would live for all eternity. And so we have to read these stories, as hard as they can be, but we also have to read the rest of the scriptures, because they tell us so much about God that these stories just don't. And so when read in light of the rest of scripture, when we remember everything else we know about Jesus, again, we won't be afraid of Christ's return. We won't tremble at his coming. We'll rejoice, we'll trust, and then we'll serve, right? Because. Uh, especially the parable of the talents tell us, tells us that l- this life and this in-between time is a life of servanthood. The teaching on the sheep and the goats tells us the, the very same thing. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, the teacher of the faith, uh, once, uh, once said uh, this uh, uh, about uh, a life of, of faith. He's, he said, uh, we are saved by faith alone. Right? We're not saved by the good things we do, by obedience, by checking off boxes. No, Luther rightly said, we are saved by faith alone. But, he said, the faith that saves is never alone. So that is, God welcomes us into his kingdom simply by faith. When we're in a relationship of trust, within that relationship, God gives so many things, including forgiveness and life everlasting. But that faith that we have, it's, it 's never just faith, faith brings about good works, it bears good fruit and and so we 're reminded that that in this in between time, we are called upon and sent out to bear good fruit that yes, we will do good works, not to earn our way into heaven, but but that is secure, and so that enables us and frees us to go to go and serve uh, Finally, one interesting thing uh, that kind of stuck out to me in, in the parable of the talents is is that as uh, these good stewards go about their lives of obedience, uh, bearing good fruit, as Martin Luther talked about, that uh, their reward is not that they get to kick back and relax and, and, and just watch life pass them by, right? The reward is not retirement. Uh, no, in, in fact, their reward for doing good, their reward for their work is more work. <laughs> and actually, there's an old rabbinic saying, something that the rabbis used to say, which, uh, which was, The reward of a duty done is a duty to be done. So there's a reward for doing something is that you're given something else to do. And that's how it works in God's kingdom. We don't do work so so that we can just sit back, right? Uh, uh, The American idea of retirement isn't exactly a, a Christian ideal. In God's kingdom, the way it works is you do good and God says, Well done. Let me show you what else I got for you. And that's how we live now. We wait, we watch, we pray, we trust, and then we serve. And that's what it looks like to be ready for Christ's arrival. Well, I would encourage you to read through these parables maybe a few more times. Uh, Let them dwell in your hearts as we've been talking about. The parables aren't stories that you just read through once and get it all down. I'm still learning as I read them and and pray that you will be too. Uh, Thanks for watching, everyone. Be sure to download the study guide if you haven't already for all the notes from this lesson. I look forward to, to being back with you next time, lesson four, as we conclude this series. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Deeply Rooted Podcast. I hope that you are blessed by our time together in the Word of God and pray that your roots went a little bit deeper. If you could do three things for me as we close our time together today, I would be blessed. First, if you could subscribe to this podcast, I would love that. That would be an easy way for you to listen to all future episodes and continue to get our updates. Second, if you could share what you heard today, I would really appreciate that. There should be an easy way to do that, to share this to your Facebook page, and I would be blessed by that. And then finally, if you could leave a review, would love to hear what you think and, and how this episode went. So if you could share, subscribe, and leave us a review, I would be blessed. God bless you, everyone. And until next time, this is Peter Brower on the Deeply Rooted Podcast.